This is the Shift Podcast. Bruce Claggett in for Shane Hewitt. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, should anybody still be using waterbeds? You know, the year is 2023. Well, Dr. Catherine Rasmussen is a director of behavioral sleep medicine with the Calgary Center for Sleep and Human Performance. She tells us why a good bed can make all the difference and how you can get a better sleep, possibly even if you work night shifts like many of us. Handy Andy Brar gives us a high-tech gift guide for that important day coming up. What day are we talking about? We're talking about Father's Day. He takes a deep look at some of the ideas, some of the new tech out there, some of the gadgets, things that will make you a little bit more of a hero when it comes to Father's Day. Are you okay with halftime shows? How about the radio? All of that and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Well, last night off air, lead producer Ryan O'Donnell and I got into, well, a bit of a chat as we do every once in a while. The topic being apartments and rental conditions. Well, that chat led to waterbeds not being allowed in one condition, one agreement he saw, which led me to asking who owns a waterbed in 2023. Then I remembered that I owned one back in, get this, the 1980s. And I had some of the worst sleeps one could ever imagine. In fact, first night, I had the heater. These things had heaters, which is really strange to imagine. I had the heater cranked way up too high. Didn't read the instructions, probably. And I woke up thinking I had the the flu. From then on, it was a constant battle with the waterbed until I eventually got rid of it. And I had one of those motionless ones. Some of the worst sleeps ever. This all led to Ryan and I talking about sleep, quality of sleep, and the role that mattresses or beds actually play into this, if at all. Do beds or mattresses have any role or how big a factor? Well, we wanted to get an answer to this, and this is why we bring in our next guest, who is an absolute sleep expert, a researcher, someone that knows all about these type of questions. Dr. Catherine Rasmussen is the Director of Behavioral Sleep Medicine with the Center for Sleep and Human Performance in Calgary. Doctor, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Uh, First of all, I think it would be good for us to kind of uh, let the whole country know what is the Center for Sleep? What do you do there? So we treat all manner of sleep disorders. We're also a level one uh, facility. So we do uh, overnight sleep studies. Uh, we're also affiliated with the University of Calgary. So we, uh, we do research as well. And we also teach the residents uh, sleep medicine. Uh, we, we are part of their continuing education. Um, but yeah, we treat many different sleep disorders ranging from restless legs to insomnia to yeah. sleep apnea, narcolepsy, um, uh, nightmare disorder. Uh, there's there's many different disorders that we treat. Well, so the patients you see really do struggle with sleep, but for those who do and for those who don't struggle or not that they know of, uh, how big a role does a bed or mattress actually play into sleep? 
it's really key, you know, and uh, we actually got into this during the pandemic because a lot of people, as you know, were renovating their houses. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was a great opportunity for people to kind of create a sleep sanctuary. And a lot of people were buying new beds and just, you know, really taking stock of what was their sleep environment like. And so a bed is critical and everybody is different. So some people need a firm mattress. Um, some people are side sleepers, so they would need a bit more give in their mattress um, to accommodate uh, side sleeping. Um, but it, it depends on your primary sleep position and it depends on your weight. And, um, you know, if you're sleeping with your spouse, if you both need a lot of space in the bed. Um, so the size of the bed, but also the, the firmness and uh, the comfort of it is really important. And also making sure you're not, as you mentioned, too hot in your bed. So yeah. I, I was chuckling when you're talking about the heater. Well, but- I'm, I'm constantly at war with temperature. Uh, I like, you probably hear this. I love the cold pillow. Everybody loves the cold pillow. I love um, the cold room and the warm blanket, I think. I think that that is my sweet spot, and certainly the waterbed was far from that. Um, but I know you mentioned that there are different types of beds uh, for different types of people, and mm-hmm. it depends on what kind of sleeper you are, how old you are, your weight. But are there some beds that we can just rule out as just not being a good option for anyone? Like a you, water want bed? To make, you want to make sure that the bed is good, good quality and that it doesn't wear out in, you know, 18 months. You know, you, you want a bed that's going to probably last for a good 10 years or at least eight years. And so it should be made of good quality materials. Um, I think it's also important to try to be mindful of um, staying away from beds that have a lot of off gassing because it's just not good oh, for your health. I didn't so, even think about that. Yeah. So there can be a lot of chemicals that go into beds and a lot of manufacturers are being a lot more mindful of that uh, these days. Um, and uh, there are there are different types. There's latex, all natural latex. Um, there are um, beds that are made out of horse horse hair, actually. Um, and then there's beds that are made of, of various um, synthetic uh, fibers and there's coils as well. So it, it there's a, a wide variety of different beds that are out there for people. And it really comes down to personal preference. Uh, I highly recommend. Um, so, for instance, when you go to Sleep Country or a lot of these places, yeah. um, they will have you can try out their beds and you can, you know, and they'll have all sorts of different mattresses that you can that you can sort of get a sense. And that's, I think, very important before you buy a bed is you, you really want to be trying it out and lying on it for a bit of time to see if it's a fit. Are we our own best experts by lying on a bed? Like, I always fear that, OK, if I go in and see to see a place, a store that sells beds, uh, they're going to talk me into something that puts a smile on my face for a one minute lie down. But I wonder if like that super soft bed is going to be the best option for me. Is there a way to actually know beyond just what is comfortable in a shop, what is the best bed for the type of person you are? So, I mean, the, it's in the the interests of companies selling mattresses to really work with the client because they want the client to be happy. And so they do spend time with you. Um, you are your best, your, your own. Okay you are the best judge of what's going to feel because it really is about your feel and comfort. Um, 
You want to be careful of buying a bed that is too soft, especially if you're a heavier person. Um, and you uh, just because uh, you won't have that alignment of the hips and the back and, and the neck support. So that is very important. You want to make sure that there's given that bed, but it is uh, it's supporting your hips and your and your your back and your neck as well and your head too. Um, I remember when I was a kid, there were so many different things I thought would be the coolest and best bed going. Uh, and some of those were things like a beanbag or a hammock. Uh, and and to me, that was great. And I guess a younger body may have more tolerance. But do you change over the years and require more, as I hate to say it, but we all get older? Uh, but for a good quality sleep, a healthy sleep, do we require more thought about a bed? Um, I think when you're 10, you can pretty much sleep on a lot yeah. of because you're, you you have so much more deep sleep at that time in your life. And as we get older, we do get a bit less deep sleep. Uh, we naturally do get a bit more fragmentation. So the, the comfort is, is definitely important. But also knowing um, whether you're predominantly a side sleeper. Uh, a lot of people with apnea uh, naturally sleep on their sides because it actually keeps the, um, the airway more stable and more patent, more open. And um, often their apneas are worse when they're lying on their on their back. So they intuitively will often sleep on their sides. Um, but uh, and and for pillows, this is also very important too. So if you're if you sleep predominantly on your back, you need a thinner pillow. If you're sleeping predominantly on your side, you need a thicker pillow because there's more space between the shoulder and the neck on your side than there is when you're sleeping on your back. This is what my spouse says, uh, when I sleep on my back, and I'm a bigger guy, but when I sleep on my back, I tend to snore more because <laughs> the, according to my spouse, my head is up further and it's pushing my chin down into an awkward position. And she observes this and she says, that's when you snore. If you're on your side or anything, you're fine. Mm -hmm. I guess that's just something we have to watch. Yes. And there's also now, um, there's a lot of companies that are custom making beds at a pretty affordable price too. And so um, you can have, for instance, your, you know, the husband may prefer a softer bed and, and perhaps the, um, their spouse may prefer um, a, something more firm. So you can make beds that actually where one side is firmer and one is, is softer. And, um, and you can even have, make them so that they're building up firmness in different areas of the bed. So some people need a bit more hip support than they may need uh, around the, uh, the shoulders. So you can also cut by custom made beds. And there are even beds uh, now that will you know, recline and go up. So yeah. that for some people who may suffer from reflux uh, or they may have uh, just digestive problems, they can sleep on a bit more of an incline with one of the, these beds that, that lift up too. Doctor, we're uh, into June. We know that there's going to be some hot nights ahead. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we struggle at night and we crank up air conditioners and all sorts of things. What do you end up seeing in the summertime for people, not talking about beds, but just sleep in general as a real struggle? And what can we be mindful of as it starts to get hot? So this is one of my favorite subjects <laughs> because there's a, there's a lot that you can do. So in the summer, people often have their windows open. So often there's more noise coming from the street level. So making sure you can get custom made earplugs or you can uh, put in earplugs. 
Um, there are one, some wonderful pink and brown noise machines that you can purchase now, which are more natural than a white noise machine. And these machines will just give a, a sort of a, a layer of, um, of sound that will buffer street noise or, or even noise of if your spouse or your partner is, is snoring as well. And so noise mitigation is key, especially yeah. in the summer uh, with uh, open, open air. And people are often up, staying up later, so they're socializing later. Um, the ideal temperature for falling, so when we fall asleep, our body naturally, our temperature drops and this is important in order to enter the sleep state. And so if we're too hot at bedtime or if the room is too hot, that can really impact our sleep. And so the sort of the ideal temperature is anywhere from about um, 15 to 20 or sorry, actually, this may not be right. 18 degrees Celsius okay. is the ideal temperature. And there's some latitude in, in between. There's actually a range. So it, it is does depend on the person. Um Having a cold shower just at bedtime can yeah. often um, cool us off to help us with sleep. Making sure that you have light layers. So you might just have a sheet and a very light blanket so that in the middle of the night, if you get too hot, you throw the blanket off and you're just sleeping with the sheet. An overhead yeah. fan can be very helpful as well if people don't have uh, an air conditioner or a couple fans in the room where you're getting a cross breeze. And then certainly opening up windows so that you're getting a cross breeze through the bedroom can be helpful just to in increase the air circulation. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. People, there are cooling mattresses that you can purchase now as well. Oh, okay. A, yep, that they have a cooling feature in them. Um, because there are some people too who are just, they're built, they, they have a higher core body temperature and they're just, they're hot. Oh, that's me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Furnaces. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, I didn't know that. The other one that we talk about summertime, and I'm starting to think that it's uh, barbecue time and perhaps a, a few too many libations often before dinner. And I know myself, the combination of food and booze leads to a terrible sleep uh, <laughs> and sometimes even acid reflux. Uh, am I alone in that? Is that something to watch? Not at all. You're not alone. And uh, as we get older, our ability to metabolize alcohol does uh, decrease. And so um, alcohol reduces uh, REM, REM sleep and yeah. it reduces deep sleep and it can call, lead to more fragmentation. It's a central nervous system uh, relaxant. And so it actually can be helpful for falling asleep because it's a depressant, but it does cause awakenings later in the, in the nighttime, which can be quite disruptive to sleep. So we always recommend um, that if you are going to have something to try to have it earlier in, in the night, like around cocktail hour, kind of 4 right. 30, 5 30, and then to have some, a good, a good meal with that um, to help to absorb some of the, uh, the alcohol as well. Um, but it, it, there's no doubt it it doesn't have a good impact on our on our sleep at, at nighttime. So, you know, the part of it is managing expectations so that if, if you know you have a big social evening to enjoy it and go out and have a great time, but to also not expect your sleep to be perfect on that night as well. So managing expectations is important. That's great information. One of the things I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you before we let you go mm -hmm. uh, is a lot of our listeners on the shift are shift workers and that means that their sleeping is often in the daytime mm -hmm. um 
is there anything that they that's tough sometimes especially if you're not used to it uh or even if you are is there anything that you can recommend for shift workers that end up being uh working during that time uh where they're up at night yeah this is a, a tremendous uh question bruce and um I think a lot of these people are really underserviced. They are, they, they, in my opinion, every shift worker should be working with a uh, sleep doctor because there's so much that you can do to support shift workers in terms of career longevity and just helping them mitigate risks. Um, It's a complicated topic. And unfortunately it's, it's um, the scope of it is far more than I can really address in, in these few moments that I have. Um, It's individualized treatment. Um, Are we we, researching it? Are we going forward with researching uh, shift workers and absolutely? Okay, and there's many. We do a behavioral program here at the at our clinic where we we help shift workers, and every shift worker is put on a a shift work sleep schedule, and we monitor them, and we um, we we have a lot of interventions that we use to help to support them. But it is a complicated topic. It's not um, it's not a cookie cutter approach. It's highly individualized, and because what's happening is their clock is continually becoming destabilized from the moving of the shift worker. Yeah. And they're sleeping at a time when our bodies are wanting us to be awake. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, one thing would be when they get off the shift uh, at the night shift to try to wear sunglasses to, to have as much dimness before bed and to try to get be- to bed as soon as possible. Oh, because really? that circadian rhythm is really starting to ramp up, you know, from 9 a.m. onwards, it's, it's difficult to sleep. And so the sooner they can get home from their shift and get into bed to capture some sleep, the better. Um, And then there's, you know, we use strategic light and strategic caffeine and uh, a variety of different interventions uh, for these people. And then we have very specific sleep schedules. We put them on um, to try to help to mitigate some of the sleep loss. It's all about sleep loss and mitigating um, sleep deprivation. And strategic napping is key for these people too, but they really do need to see a qualified uh, doctor to um, to work with them and uh, and get them set up on a on a sleep schedule. Doctor, that's great information, and you're hitting the right audience people that really uh, do need to hear that. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. My pleasure. This is the Shift Podcast. Andy Brar, nice to uh, have the chance to talk with you ahead of Father's Day because that is gadget time if there ever was gadget time, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of tech geeky dads out there. So um, yeah, my hand funny, is Bruce. up. I'm a uh, tech geeky uh, dad, so geeky that I'm into my own little narrow thing of ham radio. But uh, you know, that's me. Well, I love that. I love the fact that you're you're into those old time uh, kind of ham radios. I I remember seeing a picture. You had this uh, this mu- What was it called? Musin. It's the Musin wireless radio, old time radio. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> radio of all sorts. Whether it's professional radio, amateur radio, radio this, radio that, history of radio, radio for uh, disasters, you know, it's all uh, it's all interesting to me. 
Well, I guess it's no surprise that you're on the radio. And <laughs> you're well, such there a radio you go. fan. Yep, twenty four seven. As my uh, as my wife says, you're always talking, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, when it comes to gadgets, uh, what are we looking at for new ideas? Anything out there that uh, catches you and your eye? Yeah, well, you know, Bruce, every year I go and look at the list that all the other websites make for Father's Day, and I'm always not very impressed because there's so many great gifts out there. I don't I don't see them on these lists. So I have now curated my own list, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Starting with um, one gadget that I just posted on shiftheads.ca, if you want to check it out. It's a robot vacuum mop combo. And I have, Bruce, I have not been a fan of these combos where it tries to be a vacuum and a mop at the same time. Typically, they do a half job of each. But I came across one. I just reviewed it, and it floored me. It's called the DreamBot Robot Vacuum. I see what you did there. It floored you. (laughs) Exactly. So this, this robot, not only does it clean your floor, so it vacuums, and it has a mop on it, but it cleans itself at the mopping uh, base station. So here's how it works. It has these two mop pads that are machine washable on the bottom. They're spinning. And this is the first time I've seen a robot vacuum that actually has a mop that spins. Typically, like if you're trying to mop a floor, you got to get some type of friction there. And that's what this one is. I think it's spinning 120 times per minute. And and you can see the video on shiftheads.ca. So this mop is actually spinning and it's getting wet. So it has a container that... It, with um with different water and solution inside it Hmm. so it cleans your floor but here's where the problem has been with these mop vacuums it gets back to the station then they say you have to take the pad off and then wash it so there's still a lot of user intervention whereas this one it has a tank for clean water and then it has a tank for dirty water so when it goes back to the base station it sits on this pad those pads are now being spinning again on the station and getting cleaned. So it's it's shooting water at it. It's spinning it around. It's do, doing some abrasion to clean it. And then it sucks all that dirty water and puts it into the dirty water tank. I have never seen one of these in action before, but it actually worked. I, I, I mopped the floor. I took the water and you could see all the dirt that came out of the water, Bruce. I'm telling you. This will impress your dad. If he is techie, he's going to be like, wow, this This solves all uh, the problems. One of those things that always impresses anybody when it comes to uh, cleaning a floor is the dirty water. Look what it picked up. Uh, But, you know, the the one thing that, and I I mean, I had one of the original Roombas, still do. We never use it. Yeah. The the one thing that always comes to mind with these is uh, they're terribly inefficient. They hit the same area of floor over and over and over and just keep on going, bumping into a wall and keep on going until it eventually is done. Is that the same thing uh, going on with this one? No, they have changed a lot over the last couple of years, Bruce. They're incorporating AI. So a lot of them have sensors now. They're using LiDAR sensors inside the, the vacuum. So this one, what it'll do is when you start it off, it maps out your entire room. Oh, And it draws that map inside an app. From there, you could actually specify. You just drag. You'd be like, okay, I want you to clean this area in front of my door because this is where the mat is and this is where the majority of the, of the dirt is. And it will clean that. But here's another issue with these robot Mac uh, combos. Typically, it has that, that, that mop on the back, that pad that it's washing the floors with. And then it goes and tries to vacuum the floor 
and that mop is now touching the the carpet. Whereas this one, it actually lifts up. So the the mop will lift up when it senses carpet. So it doesn't start rubbing against the carpet and then it will start vacuuming the floor. I thought that was just a great piece of, of ingenious technology that they put in there. And it has the AI, like you mentioned. So if there's a slipper on the ground, it's yeah. not going to go and, and uh, you know ride over it. It's going to detect it and then move around it. So I'm I'm pretty impressed with the AI that they put inside of these robot vacuums. And now that they've solved that problem about cleaning the the mop pads, uh, I can finally kind of recommend these because, like you said, yeah. when they first came out, they were just novelty items. They didn't actually really work. But they're getting to that point where they actually can do a, a decent job. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, by the way, the other thing uh, with our Roomba, with the original one, the cat figured out, uh, Cat was not a fan of it, but the cat figured out it could stand up with its uh, cat toys yeah. up on um, like the, a ledge and just drop it in front of Roomba and get it to just kind of eat it up and stall. Cat figured yeah. that out. Not a bright cat, but uh, it figured out how to sabotage the Roomba. Uh, what is this one going for? What's the uh, the price range for these? Uh, they, they can get pretty expensive. So you can get these robot vacuums anywhere from about $350 all the way up to about $1,500. So those are like the Cadillacs of the robot vacuums. And this one actually is pretty much up there. Uh, the DreamBot robot vacuum. You, people can check it out on shiftheads.ca. But, um, you know, just from a technological point, they, they've come a long way. I have a Roomba as well, Bruce, and I have a problem right now, and I haven't been able to solve it. It has a base station, but it can't ride up on the base station. It needs a little bump yeah. to get up. And I don't know what to do because it still works, but yeah. it just can't ever charge, and it gets stuck there. And I've, I've checked the internet to try to find some, pro uh, some solutions, and I'm still stuck on on how to solve that. Oh, I hear you, Andy, and uh, some of the base station problems, uh, we've experienced those too. So that's a good one. And uh, of course, I mean, we're getting into deadline time, past it probably, but there's always that, you know, give dad a note, guess guess what's on the way, dad, this. Yeah. Um, what else do you have? What's catching your eye? Yeah, so this is a really good one. It's a really functional, it's so good, Bruce. This is what I actually bought my dad for Father's Day a couple of years ago, and I had to buy it again. He liked it so much. It's a motion sensor solar panel light. So a lot of us are familiar with these motion sensor lights that you put around your house. It detects motion, then the light comes on. It's great for security, and it's great just for you know keeping certain areas visible, especially at dark. But they're usually powered. They have a power source. But now they're coming out with new ones that use LED lights and a solar panel on top. So you install it once, doesn't require any kind of power. All it needs is some kind of sun for about maybe two or three hours, at least a day. And then at nighttime, if someone walks by, that motion sensor will detect that person and then turn the lights on. Somebody and I in this... our neighborhood has one of those. In fact, they have three. And yeah. if you walk by their sidewalk or the fe their fence right by that, yeah. uh, you see it going off and you think, oh, that's kind of cool. How do they get the power to that? Yeah, and it's because of the LED light technology. And when you combine that with the new solar panels, it doesn't take that much power for it to work. And because it keeps charging during the day, it has enough battery power to last at nighttime. And like what your neighbor did is perfect. That's what I did for my parents because they have a, a strip on their driveway that was always dark. And I've just lined them up. So as you're walking, one turns on, then you hit a couple steps, the next one turns on. 
So the yeah, entire that's exactly walkway. what this neighbor has. Uh, it's almost like this uh, runway kind of sequence where you walk yeah. by, light, 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 and then you just follow it along. Now, they're very inexpensive. You can get packs of four, packs of six, packs of eight, anywhere from about $25 to about $45, $50. And so I bought a four-pack for my, my parents, and then my dad was like, hey, I need some more of those. Those are, those are great. And he put them all around his house. I got them around my house as well. Uh, excellent, functional. And those are the kind of gifts that dads appreciate when you can actually solve a problem that they didn't even really <laughs> realize they had. And suddenly, you know, you look like the, the good kid that uh, solved that, that Yeah, it's a solution in search of a problem, as they say. That, uh, exactly. But, yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, let's get one more in here. Uh, another well, Father's Day idea. Now, this gift, every time I suggest this one, I get so many emails. I was on Global News Morning a couple of weeks ago sh- talking about this gift. If your dad has an iPhone, chances are he's run out of storage on there. Apple iCloud, it can get expensive. So here's the solution that can get all of the photos and videos off your dad's iPhone. It's called the SanDisk iExpand iPhone storage device. Essentially, it's a thumb drive that works in conjunction with an iPhone. So it has the lightning port on one side. You click that in, you download the app, you drag all of your photos and videos, move it onto this little tiny hard drive, then you flip it over. It has a USB side that goes into your laptop. It recognizes it as a thumb drive. You grab all those photos and videos and just drag it onto your computer, and then you can delete all those um, that media off your iPhone and free the storage uh, up. That is it, cool. It, it's the best. Any iPhone user should have this. If people are interested, I have a link on my website. If you go to my digital spring cleaning checklist on the blog section of my website, I have a link on Amazon for that. It will change your life. Every it's just, It is so great, Bruce, that it should just come with the iPhone because it makes it so easy to, to move storage. But they're not going to do that because no. they want you to get that iCloud subscription. Yeah, they want you to stay in the ecosystem. But, uh, you know, that's a great idea. And anybody that has an iPhone knows that's uh, exactly what you want for being able to, uh, you know, easily shift your stored information. Um, what's the price range for those? So depending on what kind of storage you get, they go from 128 gigs to 256 gigs. But it can rough, roughly around $60, $70 on Amazon. And it's going to be a game changer. This is one of those, again, it's another gift that when someone, your dad gets it, he's like, oh my God, you have changed my life. Because nobody likes to see that your phone is full warning on on your iPhone. So this will really, really make your dad very happy. Absolutely. You've changed my life, son. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you, are you, are you, okay, 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 are you okay with, okay, well, are you okay with halftime shows? Um, like the big ones, yeah, I guess, you know, when you go <laughs> to a, when you go to a hockey game, like you, like I've been, I've been to many hockey games in my life, Calgary Flames, Ottawa Senators, it's always the same thing, right? It's like a little league game. And then, you know, maybe there's a race with some people that aren't on skates and then in football, you know, there's the cheerleaders and then there's like the big spectacles. Uh, But you know, it's, I'm glad they happen. 
you know i'm glad it's not just empty blank space in between the periods or the frames or whatever uh i like that there is that break where you can as as a flames fan often when i leave uh you know uh at the end of a period i'm angry because they're terrible and so it's nice to then go back and have some time to decompress and go all right it's just a game watch some kids have some fun and then you know be disappointed when the team plays on the ice again you know, I was, um, I've never really cared one way or the other about a halftime show. I mean, they're cute. They're fine. But uh, I took my son to a hockey game when he was really young, and he really wasn't into the hockey game. But boy, did he love the halftime show, really? uh, the color and everything. And it made his evening. I mean, that was great. And seeing him uh, just light up for that. So it depends. Uh, you're not going alone to games. And, uh, you know, halftime shows uh, when you're there live can be uh, terrific. Jonathan, you okay? Yeah, I love halftime shows. They're the best. Actually, the Super Bowl halftime shows are the best halftime shows ever, especially the one uh, that was held in Inglewood with Dr. Dre, Kendrick yeah, Lamar, oh, and yeah. uh, Snoop Dogg. That was a pretty good halftime show. I think we covered it on The Shift before. That's when you're getting into that whole new level of halftime shows. And, of course, the bigger the game, the more people watching, the more you're going to have that really high-powered ones. Uh, Super Bowls, of course, the obvious example. But, you know, basketball games have some pretty underrated halftime shows. They're often anchored by amazing half-court shot attempts, these competitions like this one at Ohio State that took place a few years ago. And here we have our last one. What's your name? Most people call me Robbie, but you can call me anytime. Well, there you go, boy, and you can uh, kind of hear the swagger in his voice uh, even the, before the shot. Um, know, the best part of that, Bruce, is yeah. that he's wearing a hot dog costume when he says that. Yeah. Like it's, it's, he was wearing a hot dog costume, absolutely launches that ball from half court and wins, you know, a year of hot dogs while also, like, being pretty smooth. So, pretty iconic moment. And it was that night that he came out of his shell. That is, or his buns, we could say. Uh, there you uh. go. <laughs> well, now a Canadian woman has joined that elite club of people who have made those kind of shots. Bliss Ward is getting a lot of attention online after she made a half-court shot at the Edmonton Stingers game, winning her free beer for an entire year. The sold-out crowd stood in anticipation as Bliss approached center court and... After taking a few giant leaps, sunk the shot and the crowd, well, they went absolutely wild. Yeah, a little bit surprised, I guess. I, I don't know if you take that personally when uh, people start saying, Woo-hoo-hoo! like, uh, you, you made that shot? But um, you know what? Uh, she was... Pretty, uh, pretty impressed, I guess, but she's no rookie on the court. Uh, she used her experiences in the paint to take home the prize. She was a point guard, turned shooter, or shooting guard and played women's basketball. Yeah, over at Nate. So she had a lot of experience already doing it. I guess you would call her a bit of a ringer. The prize, by the way, uh, yeah, beer for a year, 365 beer. Or as uh, 
you know, the uninitiated call it beers, delivered quarterly on the first of the month. And, uh, you know, you got to like that one. That's just a pretty awesome prize. It's yeah. a pretty spectacular yeah. prize. Beer is expensive. And I never like I very rarely actually buy like a 12 case of beer or whatever. You know, I'll have one every now and then just to wake up once a month. Just have it delivered. Gets to your delivered door with to you. Zero financial repercussions. I mean, there's in my that's that's for okay. Drinking 365 beers, but but still, that's impressive. That's that's an awesome, awesome prize. It is an awesome prize. Moving right along. Are you okay with radio? Radio. Yeah, here we are on the radio doing an are you okay about the radio. Yeah, it's cool. I, uh, I'm kind of surprised that I work in radio. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be in theater, and then I went to television. Wanted to be an actor. You were. You are an actor. I, yeah, yeah. But then I left that, and then I went into news, and I didn't like reporting, but I liked anchoring. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll get a job in radio for a few years, and then I'll move to TV. And uh, I don't know if I'm gonna move to TV. I, I like it here. This is a pretty sweet gig. It's an amazing like you know you kind of feel like you're honored to have the mic in front of you and have people listen and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty special place. You know the one thing I love about radio and I love late night radio. I really do. That's what got me into radio. But uh, it's a one-on-one conversation with a listener. And even though there are thousands of listeners at any one time, you're only talking to one. You know, it's it's really that intimate kind of conversation that you have one-on-one with each and every one uh, of those listeners. I, I think that's just cool. Very magic. Jonathan, I know you agree. Yeah, I do. It, especially with talk radio, this format, we get to talk with people one and we get to meet so many people from all across Canada which is pretty amazing you know it's not every day that you can talk to people all across Canada every single night it's it really is uh pretty amazing yeah i i would have to agree it is a gift now radio is live usually more so in talk and much like uh tv anything can happen well the sign says that it's four quarters for an hour but a quarter only gets you 15 minutes. Yeah. So if my math is correct, that's not an hour. That's not an hour. Not an but hour. it is. <laughs> and also... <laughs> a quarter to 15 minutes? Yeah. Well, a reporter in Washington, D.C. there had an incredibly embarrassing moment on the radio last week. Real Clear Politics' Philip Wegman. Well, signing off from Chris Stiggle's show on the Washington-based station, WMAL, said something only reserved for loved ones. You know, we'll we'll see what comes out later on, Um, but some of the claims that he has made, um, they they do not hold water. Well, I'm I'm glad you missed today's presser because we're better for uh, conversing with you, Philip Wegman, at uh, Real Clear Politics. He's the White House correspondent, and uh, the piece, the most recent piece uh today went to print mike pence takes the fight to trump thank you phil very much great to catch up i love you thank you um our telephone did he just say he loved me dave did i just hear, did i just hear philip say he loved me did he think he was talking to his wife for a minute i could swear i just heard him say i love you did he not just say that must be a big fan 
Oh, you know what I what I love about that? I've actually had a phone call with uh, with friends, just friends. And if you are, uh, you, you know, if you're married, you always end a phone call, or at least I do, with "I love you" or "Love you, love you." And at the very end of a phone conversation with a friend, I've done that a couple times. Love oh, you. We've, we've all slipped. I mean. For me, I, I don't know if I've had quite the I love you, but I vivid, vividly remember grade 12 religion class in Mr. Stambini's classroom. And he said, Ryan, blah, 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 what's the question? And I said, Dad, um, <laughs> oh, I mean, Mr. Stambini. And I called him Dad. And it was the look on his face was so funny because he, he knows that I'm about to be ridiculed. By everyone, and you can just feel all the eyes. Oh yeah! All the heads turn and look at you, and you just—I'm oh, that guy <laughs> now. I'm the guy that called the teacher dad. This is like that, but on radio, and probably worse. Probably more embarrassing. Well, you're already kind of nervous, and uh, you're thinking about other things, and then maybe there's that casual moment where you're just saying goodbye. You're looking at the clock or something, and uh, you know it just slips. Love you. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I, I love that one. Jonathan, ever had an experience like that? Uh, not really for me. Uh, this never happened, but I mean, running this board, things do happen and anything could happen. Like just at the beginning of this part when we said, are you okay with radio? Both of our screens froze. So yes, things do happen. Yeah, we stall. Yeah, we, we do we do stall and you know things do freeze. Uh, microphones sometimes don't work, but yeah, that's the the magic of being on, on the air live. Yeah, the one I like is when you have a guest that's about to be on air, and the guest isn't there, and you're supposed to introduce the guest, and you're still stalling and trying to figure out uh, what you're going to say, and you're making up things, and uh, boy, that's the stuff that nightmares are made of. By the way, that's called pulling the curtain back on the business and uh, letting you see. So there you go. Uh, let's move along. Are oh, you wait, wait, okay? Wait, 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 you got to finish reading oh. that. You got to finish because he, the reporter addressed it. You got to, you can't, you got to yes, read that did. last bit. It's so <laughs> funny. You know, he later explained on Twitter that he was texting with his mother and slipped up blurting out, love you too, aloud, as in the interview that came to a close. And he also wrote, this is the important one. I am a very serious journalist. There you go. Brilliant. There Love you go. it. Okay. Are you okay with? Oh, this is a good one. Are you okay with funeral homes? Jonathan, let's go to you first. Um, they, uh, they're just places that you'll see, you know, your your loved one after they've passed. And I don't really have a, an opinion about them, but I know that on the shift, we have our fair share of weird funeral stories, like when someone was at a funeral home, but they end up being alive. It's just, it's it's a pretty weird place on this show. Yeah. Um, it's an odd one. Ryan, what about you? I think the people that work in funeral homes are quite often the nicest people on the planet. Like every single person I've ever met that has worked in that industry, it's their favorite job they've ever had. I knew people who drew, drove hearses. 
uh, you know, people that uh, just run the administration in those buildings. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget. After my uncle passed away, it was, a, it was quite a it was a rough one. And uh, after the funeral, this, you know, it's all done. The, the, the guy who ran that funeral home came up to me and he gave me a coupon for a free burger at McDonald's. And he's like, wow. you come back and tell me if it's any good. Cause it was like the new Angus burger. And you know, that just was a simple, small gesture that he didn't need to do. That's not part of his job, but I feel like many people that work in that industry, they do see that as part of their job. And while it's something that I don't think I could ever do, uh, I understand why people get into it and uh, why they find it so rewarding. It's a really fascinating, really fascinating part of life. The people I've work. known in the industry that uh, do work in funeral homes uh, have a great sense of humor, like some of the funniest people I've True. ever met. Very good point. Yes. And uh, and the other thing, uh, you know, when it comes to the question of whether I'm okay with a funeral home, I had the opportunity when I was starting in radio working in a small town to actually be put up as my very first kind of place to live at a funeral home. The upstairs the, it was the residential part. The downstairs was the actual funeral home. I thought about it and was very close to signing on. It was a, uh, a friend of our dentist, and he said, uh, yeah, my friend has a funeral home, but uh, he can rent out a space in his, uh, in his place if you're interested. I ended up taking a pass on it, but uh, mm -hmm. you know what? Thought about it and uh, came very close. Well, funeral homes are a peaceful place. Until they aren't. It turns out that these businesses can have some harsh feelings toward one another. A funeral home owner is now behind bars. This after he shot and killed someone at a funeral run by a rival funeral home. Wilson Chavis, according to police, had a long-running business dispute with people who were preparing to bury Ariana Davis at a cemetery in Suitland, a dispute that escalated at the gravesite with ugly words. According to a court affidavit filed in the case, Chavis first exchanged words with one man who walked away. The documents allege Chavis then pushed the pastor conducting the service, identified as Joseph Fletcher, who spoke at Davis's funeral earlier in the day. Investigators say Chavis shouted, this ain't your expletive funeral home, and then tripped over the lid to the grave and fell. Police say he then pulled a pistol and fired. That from NBC News. That's real, wow. by the way. Not yes, made up. That actually, that actually happened. Yeah. And yeah. It sounds like, isn't there a movie called uh, four, two wedding, three weddings and a funeral? Yeah. Oh, I've never seen it, called? but uh, I know yeah, the one you're you talking know, about. So now we've got two... I don't even know how you would call it. Seems like a sequel to that, but yes, this actually happened. I don't know if it's just my TikTok feed or if others have this on a TikTok feed, but I get a lot of funeral question answer things from people in the business, either running oh, a funeral yeah, yeah, home yeah. or not. And I think it's yeah, it's I think I I I don't get I for a little bit I had some of those. It's kind of like I feel like you know the curiosities. You know they don't want to learn too too much, so watching thirty seconds about hearing about it on a TikTok page is the perfect place. You know, it's morbid <laughs> curiosity. It really lends itself to that, and it's uh, it's I think kind of cool to hear some of the stories and answer questions that you always have uh, or may have had. And some of the people that are funeral directors are very frank and uh, just explain it in a very uh, caring way. I think it's pretty cool. Let's move along. How about this one? 
I like this. Are you okay with pennies? Pennies. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think they're they're just the worst. I hated pennies as a kid, and I was so happy. You when hated we got them rid of as them. a kid. I hated them. There were no. There was never a point in my life where a penny was actually useful to me. If I found a penny, it went in a drawer, and I'd just go find a nickel. Like it just was nothing <laughs> ever cost you know five cents in my life. So you'd have to you know add up to get the twenty five. So, and then when I got retail, there were three months when the penny was still a thing. And we got rid of it. And I was, you know, and I was yeah. so, I was like, ooh, is this going to be harsh? And it was the I'll, day one, no penny. I was like, my job is 10 times easier now without this stupid coin. So, yeah, I'm not sad uh, to see yeah. them gone. Uh, I good, really. Good riddance. You know, even before they were gone, when I was a single man back years and years ago, I used to take pennies out of the collection, throw them in a jar, had these little mm. tubs. And ended up with three tubs full of pennies. And I thought it was kind of cool that I could just collect them that way. Ended up uh, having a machine count them. And they were 55, about 55 bucks each. So 150 bucks in pennies is what I ended up getting. Jonathan, pennies? I don't really see the use for pennies. I was just in California two weeks ago. And I was like, they still use pennies here? Oh, okay. They still use pennies. And I remember I was at Dis- uh, Dis- uh, Disneyland's California Adventure. Yeah. And at the Cars ride on the, at the queue, there is a fountain where people were chucking pennies into the fountain. I was like, oh, well, I don't I have no use for these pennies. And I just threw some into the fountain. As a kid, that used to be a huge thing. You'd go by myself uh, as a kid because I'm older. But back in the 70s, uh, fountains were full of pennies. And it was uh, almost like a wishing well. But you know what? Uh, And I'm surprised by this. It's been 10 years since Canada made pennies. And they stopped producing them, the Royal Canadian Mint, because of the rising cost and significant handling costs of the pennies for retailers. They are essentially worthless, but not in large numbers. A California family is slightly richer after finding a staggering amount of pennies while renovating their home. A local couple trying to figure out what to do with about a million copper pennies. They found they were deep cleaning a family member's home in LA's Pico Union neighborhood. John and Elizabeth Reyes say they've been trying to trade them out, but the banks, they don't want to take them because there's just too many. The couple doesn't want to pay the 8% fee. I feel like they jam up that Coinstar machine, you know? They've now listed the coins on OfferUp, hoping for somebody to save them from their misery. They're asking for $25,000 for the whole pot. Despite the 10000 value, 4 million pennies, they say there could be some unique pennies you could find in there. We'll start looking and, for them. And, uh, you yeah. know, make it worth your while. Yeah, I remember doing that, too, and thinking, okay, if I go through, you know, my collection of pennies, maybe I'll find one that's really old and worth something. It never is. Uh, That, by the way, is from our friends at KTLA in Los Angeles. Uh, They tried to exchange the pennies at Wells Fargo, by the way. Uh, They didn't have enough uh, to actually do anything with it. The family then took the pennies in two trucks to a bank closer to their home, only to have the bank refuse also to take them. Yeah, I guess so. 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.